Well, welcome to Heart of the City. I want to invite you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 12. And uh, my name is Craig, if you don't know who I am. I'm just a servant here in the house. And I want to invite you to stand to your feet once you get there, Romans 12. Uh, We're going to read this together, and I just want to set aside special honor for the Word of God. And if you, uh, maybe, maybe you don't have a scripture in front of you, it's going to be on the screen behind me, but I'd love it if you could find this, this passage uh, in a Bible, if you have one in front of you. I'd love for you to kind of hang out there with me tonight. We're going to be looking at uh, a number of different things, but kind of all framing it around this, this thing that we call worship. And so we're going to read, we're just going to read one verse together, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is what it says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. I'm going to pray right now in opening, and sometimes I like to tell people what I'm going to pray for because I actually want them to pray with me. Um, you know, sometimes I think we, we treat prayer like we're just sort of eavesdropping on somebody else, talk to God. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you're just sort of listening to somebody in this exchange, and, and I think that corporate prayer is, that's really not what it is at all. It's, it's supposed to be like people in unity praying and seeking God. Jesus said wherever two or three ask and agree in my name, it's done, and so... I want to pray right now that God would not only speak to us through the power of his spirit and through his word, but that he would take us to the next level in regards to worship, specifically in the area that we would be people that respond reasonably to who he is. That we would be people that when we see God, when we hear from God, when we experience God, that we would have a rational, reasonable worthy response to who he is. And I believe that no matter where we're at right now, there's probably a greater degree that we could step into because we serve an unending, great and mighty, miraculous, amazing God. And so when it comes to worship and our response to him, how we show him worth, how we show him love, how we show him affection, I want to invite you tonight, not only to pray with me right now in this moment, but that you would consider within your own spirit, can I, should I, will I, am I willing to go to the next level in responding to God? Am I responding in a way that is absolutely worthy of who he is in my life? Sound good? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for every person in this room. I thank you for every person that's tuning in online or watching this maybe in a day or two or a week, and that that your word is powerful in our midst. We thank you, Lord, that uh, I thank you that nobody came here to listen to me, but we came here to meet with you, and we thank you that you are here with us, that through your spirit that you desire to speak to us, and right now we ask together, all of us, God, that you would take us to the next level, that you would stretch us, that you you would put whatever it is that you need to put inside of us, that you would teach us or challenge us or, or rebuke us even, that you, would, that you would make us to be the people that you desired that we would be, the church that you desired that we would be, that we would be a people that respond to the glory that is who you are, that we would be a people that love you in a way that you're worthy of and treat you the way that you're worthy of, and that we'd be a people that as we leave the walls of the church, we would represent you in a way that you're worthy of. God, you're so worthy of all that we are, 
all of our praise, all of our worship, even beyond just singing songs, even beyond what we do in a church service, but our whole life, you're worthy of it. And so right now in these moments, we give ourselves to you, our mind, our body, our soul, our spirit, everything that we are, and we say, God, have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can grab a seat. Hey, is it okay if I uh, start with a story? I don't usually ask, but uh, um, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a trip that me and my wife went on to Seattle last weekend. We got to go out of town with some friends, but um, I want to tell it in a different way, if you'll allow me. It's okay to have fun in church, right? Okay, cool. So, so this is going to be a little weird. I get it, but I want to tell you this story from the perspective of if we were um, aliens <laughs> and we went to Seattle as alien visitors on a scouting trip to find out about this human race, and now I'm coming back to my fellow aliens, all of you, and I'm telling you what I found. Tracking with me? That's the premise, okay? So I'm an alien, I'm returning from my trip to Seattle, and I'm going to fill you all in, my fellow aliens, on this research tour that we went on. Sound good? Okay. So, last weekend, we went to this little village that they call Seattle. We arrived on a Saturday, and it was sunny in Seattle, which apparently doesn't happen very often because the people were going crazy. And the people were everywhere, scurrying about their city. And there was beautiful buildings in the city. And, and we made our way to this one particular little market they call Pike Market, Pike Place Market. And there was people everywhere there throwing fish. And it was an amazing experience. We got to see the human interaction and how they, how they really enjoyed the sun and how they really enjoyed the festivities of everything. How they really enjoyed this, this one thing called Starbucks coffee. Um, it's like a big deal to them. And so, I don't know, it, it's this beverage. It makes them hyper and they all love it. And, you know, it was a great experience. And then something very peculiar happened. These human beings, I didn't know this, but um, that night, it was, it was the Saturday night before some, some religious festivity of theirs. And for whatever reason, when the sun went down, they all put on these costumes. And so they looked like different creatures. And some of them even dressed up like us. It was weird. But and they were acting very weird and um, acting like, you know, asking each other for candy and sugary treats of some sort. It was a very different experience. But nothing topped the experience that we had the next day. It's their holy day. It's, they call it Sunday there. And so what we really decided we wanted to do on, on this uh, fact-finding mission is we wanted to find out how these humans worship. And so we actually got to go to a, a couple different religious ceremonies that these humans put on. And the first one was at this church that we had heard of. In fact, it's a, a kind of a popular church, it seems like. Um, they have these things called social media, and, and, and people have followers. And, and this pastor at this particular church has lots and lots of people that, like, follow him. I guess that means they sort of look at his life from afar, and they think that he's very special. And so we decided we would go to that church. And so we woke up early, and in Seattle, it was foggy that day. And so we drove all the way to this, this church because we wanted to see what all the, the fuss was about. 
about with this particular religious ceremony that these humans were, were participating in. And so when we pulled up to the church um, parking lot, there was, this, there was this woman standing in the parking lot with a vest on, and we, we thought, surely she's going to be there to, to try and lure other humans into her religious brainwashing experience. And, but then when we pulled into the, the parking lot, we realized she was just looking at her cell phone, and she wasn't really trying to greet anybody, and so we just sort of drove right past her, and we found a parking spot. Didn't know what she was doing there, but looking at her phone. So we, we uh, exited our car, believing that nobody knew that we were alien invaders into their, their religious ceremony, and we, we made our way into the building. We were worried that they might spot us or notice us, but lucky for us, nobody greeted us at the door. They must have been too busy, I don't know, doing their, their religious thing or whatever, but nobody even noticed that we were there. So it's kind of lucky for us. And then this... This religious ceremony was going to get started, and so we sort of snuck our way in there, and we, we realized there was a clock that was counting down, and so we realized that um, there was some sort of thing that was going to happen at a particular time, and when that, when that clock hit zero, there were some people on a stage much like this, and they, they started singing these songs to the people that were in the crowd, and we turned around to look, and, and we, we, we thought to ourselves that surely this was just an introductory song because there, there wasn't many people there at the beginning for the first song. It's as if they didn't think that um, maybe they needed to be there for the opening song, but we realized later that people showed up maybe two or three songs in, and then we looked around and the place was full. And then after all these humans were singing these songs to this deity of theirs, that um, some of them, they, they must have thought that he was pretty great because they were singing loudly and obnoxiously, and some of them were waving their hands, and, but others of them, they were just sort of standing there, and I, I don't know if it was a mixed crowd, but that's just what we noted. And then, and then after the music ended, this, this gentleman got on the screen, and he, he started talking about this deity, um, and he started talking about him in a way that was like, he, he, he gave his whole life to him. He wanted to follow him with everything that he was. And at the end of this, this sort of monologue that this gentleman was giving, he, he declared that this deity that he was talking about was the almighty king. He declared that he was the God of the entire universe, if you could believe it. And then this is what he said. He said, I want to ask you if any of you want to give your life to this God. If any of you want this almighty, supernatural God of the universe to lead your life, and we thought to ourselves, this is, this is crazy. He's asking if people want to give their life to the almighty, whereas where we come from, when the almighty asks you to do something, you do it. He doesn't ask us, am I right? He tells us, and we do it, but, but not their deity, he apparently asks them if they want to follow him and obey him or not. It's very unique. And we thought that this religious ceremony of theirs was, uh, was a little underwhelming for what we had heard that it would be. And then we realized later on that this great and mighty religious ceremony that we attended was actually not even the real religious ceremony. You see, somebody invited us to another religious ceremony that we, we actually went to in the afternoon. And they told us, oh, that one, there will be more people at. And you should get there early. And well, we thought, okay, well, we'll just show up. And so we, we drove back towards the city to a bigger church, to a bigger auditorium, to a second religious ceremony. And when we started pulling into the parking lot, we realized that these people that told us to get there early, they were being serious because there was people everywhere. 
I mean, they're like ants just crawling about this city, flooding in from all angles and all places to go to this massive church facility. And it was, it was the weirdest thing, if you could believe it. They all dressed up in this sort of uniform together. It's like, it was, it was like everybody was wearing green and blue, and they were painting their faces and holding signs. And this, this religious ceremony that they were flooding to was a big deal to these guys. And then we show up, and we realized that they actually required a large sum of money to get into this religious ceremony that people seemed to have no problem giving at all. It was crazy. Like They, they willingly paid hundreds of dollars to get into this religious ceremony. And we realized... This was the real religious ceremony. So we entered, and it was more, it was more than a room. It was like a, a stadium. <laughs> it was massive. There was people everywhere. And these people from the beginning to the end of this religious ceremony, they were screaming, and they were yelling, and they were like chanting and, and celebrating. They were raising their hands in worship. And, and I don't know what it was, some sort of cosmic battle that was going on on this, this playing field. It was clearly like, uh, like the forces of good and the forces of evil were like doing battle on behalf of some sort of deities in the cosmic realm. And, and everybody was cheering for their good team. And they just, they wanted, they wanted victory. And then something must have happened that like made everybody just go bonkers in worship. With like 20 seconds left in this religious ceremony, one of these little soldiers threw this little ball to another soldier and the place went crazy. I mean, these people were like jumping up and down, hugging, just singing and worshiping and worshiping and celebrating and it was amazing. The humans have this thing called a seismic reader or something like that and I was told that the people were worshiping so loudly that it even seemed like there was an earthquake in Seattle. Isn't that amazing? We experienced two uh, religious ceremonies when we were in Seattle. And we realized that these humans, they do worship with great passion. They worship some things with great passion. It, it was clear to us that some of their deities, some of their gods are more, worship, uh, more worthy of worship than others. Some of their deities are more worthy of worship than others. Psalm 145. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. For nobody can measure his greatness. For great is the Lord, he is most worthy of praise. There is nobody that can measure his greatness. For great is the Lord. This is about the time that somebody in here says amen. For great is the Lord and worthy of all of our praise. For there is nobody that can measure his greatness. Our God is so worthy of praise. He is great. He is mighty. He is better than any football team, any football game. He is better than any celebrity. He is better than any amount of money that you can ever earn. He is better than anything that you could ever get excited about. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His name is Jesus. He is greater than Russell Wilson. He is greater than anybody that you can imagine. And yet for some reason, we sit back. You ever seen that painting on the top of the Sistine Chapel? It's a very popular painting. 
is this picture of Adam that's just sort of laying back with his hand out like this. Have you ever noticed this? Art is so powerful. This is painted on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It's actually one piece amidst the entire ceiling. It's an amazing piece of art history, but I find it so poignant the way that Michelangelo depicts humanity because on the, on the, the right side of the picture is God amongst his angels leaning forward, reaching out towards humanity when really he is the God that should be sitting back seeing if we'll come to him. And then here we have humanity, whom really our only response to any kind of God at all should be, God, can I just get to you? And here we have humanity just leaning back, half-heartedly reaching out our finger. It's crazy. It's unreasonable is what it is. Here in Romans 12, what we have is the Apostle Paul urging his brothers and sisters, urging people like me and you to respond reasonably to the message of God. What he says here is, he's really saying this, in light of all of God's mercies, I'm urging you. And what he's really saying is, he's not saying this. He's not saying as if I were to say to you, hey, think about God right now in this moment. Think about God, now worship him through whatever degree you're thinking about him right now. No, no, what he's saying is, I just spent 11 chapters describing through some of the most brilliant and amazing holy scripture ever written, by the way. The first 11 chapters of Romans is some of the greatest truth and knowledge that we could gain and know about our God. He spends 11 chapters describing how amazing and how loving and how good this God is. And after 11 chapters of magnificent theology, he says, in light of all of that, I want you to respond to God in a way that he's worthy of. You see, what he does is he starts at the beginning. And he says, hey, everybody, everybody can come to God if only you would call on his name. Nobody's excluded. Everybody's welcome to come to him. Anybody can come, whether you're a Jew or a Greek or a male or a female. Everybody can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Chapter 1 is enough to make us worship him with all that we are. But then he goes on, and through chapter 2 and chapter 3, he explains to us the, predic the predicament that you and I find ourselves in, that we are separated from this God because none of us is righteous, if we really think about it, in regards to the law. He says, none of you are righteous, not even one of you, not even me. None of us are righteous. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of this God. He goes on to say that while you and I were still sinners, while we were slaves to our sin, it was at that moment in time that Christ decided to die for us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that make him worthy of praise? He says, he goes on to say this, that because of our sin, the wage, what we're, what we're worthy of because of our actions and our heart is death. That's what we're worthy of. That's what we should be receiving. The wage for our behavior and our heart is death. And yet the gift of God is eternal and free life through Christ Jesus. Oh my goodness, that God is worthy of praise. He goes on to say that you are no longer, you don't have to be a slave to who you were and your sin and your past, even though those things seem to control you one time there is nothing through the power of Christ in you that can control you any longer and there is no condemnation no matter what you have done in the past ever no matter what you will do in the future there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus it's amazing what he describes he goes on to say that anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved will be filled with the spirit he even says that the people of God who have rejected Jesus that in the end God has a plan even for them and after those 11 chapters of beauty he says in light of all of that 
mercy that God has given us, I urge you to worship God with all that you are. He says, in light of all of that, if you would just think about all of that, you would realize that for you to lay your life down as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, would be your spiritual worship unto him. One version says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your reasonable response. You ever think rationally about your own behavior and realize that it makes no sense at all? Sometimes, not all the time. But I, I do that sometimes. I think to myself, Standing right there, right there. Craig, why, why are you not more passionately praising God right now? You see, we're a people that tend to be driven by our, uh, our feelings, how we feel. And what I've realized about myself is that my feelings lie to me and my feelings uh, don't lead me in the right direction. Anybody ever been led by their feelings in, a, in the wrong direction? Yeah, we've been led by other things in the wrong direction too. We won't go there tonight. But sometimes we just need to think and tell ourselves. This is why David spoke to his own soul. You know, it's like weird. He's like speaking to himself. It's because we need to realize sometimes that what we're doing and how we're behaving, how we're responding just doesn't make sense. And so... Uh, I just want to make this clear. When it comes to worship, I absolutely 100% believe that worship is far more than singing songs. Worship is so much more um, than, than what we do uh, for a few moments in this room on a weekend. Worship, is, worship ought to be our whole life. It ought to be our lifestyle. We can worship God through anything. Brother Lawrence worshiped God through washing dishes. I encourage you to find a way to worship God through whatever it is that you do. Whatever line of work you're in, whether you're at home with the kids, that you would worship God, that you would, that you would, this is the foundational definition of what worship is. Worthship, to show something their worth. To respond to something or someone in a way that they are worthy of. When I look at the way that I respond to the Seahawks and the way that I respond to the message of our amazing, loving, uh, supernatural God, it almost, sometimes it doesn't make sense. I, I'm not responding in a way that really, truly makes sense if you actually look at the facts. So we can, we can look at God and we can, we, can, we can honor him and love him and serve him in a way that he's worthy of no matter what it is that we're doing. But I do, just to be clear, I want to specifically speak about the atmosphere of worship that we have in church, as a body. When, uh, when you hear a, you know, a worship leader or somebody say, hey, come on, church, we're going we're gonna to enter into worship. You know, sometimes we might think that they're, they're, they're making synonymous, we're going to sing some songs and we're going to worship, but that, that's not necessarily synonymous 
you can sing songs and not be worshiping, right? You do it to the radio all the time. And so, <laughs> that wasn't meant to be a diss, but uh, we do it, and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but there's, there, there's just something that's so much different. You know, you could sing almost any genre of music on the radio or, you know, even, you know, like the tune, Mozart or whatever, classical music, it's beautiful. But as, as amazing as music is, worship is just something entirely different on a whole nother level. It takes your heart, it takes your soul, it takes your passion, it takes, it takes everything. And so I just want you to consider, why is it, now like J.O. says, if I'm not speaking to you, then I'm not speaking to you. But I just wonder, do you find yourself responding reasonably, really fully and completely responding reasonably to who God is? Do you, when you worship, do you worship him with all that you are, with reckless abandon, with the love that he has poured out and given you? Do you respond to him in that way? If not, I wanna, I wanna quickly just address eight reasons that you may not. Number one, you don't understand. Maybe, there's a, maybe it's all new to you. Maybe there's lack of knowledge. Maybe you have a, a, a sort of a religious mindset or, or you're judgmental towards other people. Uh, if that's what's going on with you, I just want you to know I understand how you feel. I remember when I felt that way. And what I found was that, uh, that when I walked into a place and I didn't understand what these people were doing, I didn't understand why they would hoot and holler and yell and some of them would jump up and down and some of them would fall on their knees and I, I didn't understand that and so because I didn't understand that, I judged that and what I was really doing is I was judging the motivation of their heart instead of, I had no idea, you can't judge the motivation of somebody's heart but I was judging the motivation of their heart based on their outward actions and we do that all the time and really it's inappropriate because we don't know somebody's heart. But I just didn't understand it. I didn't get, I didn't get why somebody would, would so passionately sing. And it's probably because I wasn't brought up that way, but I didn't get it. And if you're here tonight and you, you're maybe new to church, you're, you're new to this relationship with God, and you're new to a worship atmosphere and you don't understand those things, I just want you to know you're not alone. I understand that. But that doesn't mean that what other people are doing is wrong. And it doesn't also mean that you might not need to step in to something more. Number two, maybe you don't worship with all that you are because you say, hey, it's not my personality type or it's not my style. Yeah. And you know what? If that's how you feel, I, I just would say to you, I understand that. I used to feel that way. I know how you feel. But what I found for me when I analyze my life is that I do cheer for sports teams and I do get very, very excited over certain things in this life. And I do go crazy. And I, and I, and I, and I wouldn't say that I worship them. Maybe at one time I did. But, but there's something in us that, that gives affection and love and shows worth to things in our life that we get excited about. Isn't that true? And so I just would ask you to do this. If you would think about the thing that you're most passionate about in life, just whatever that is, whatever degree that is, think about the thing that you're most passionate about. Would you just consider analyzing your own, the state of your own soul and say, do I get at least that passionate about God? And so if you indeed are like the most docile human being ever, and like this is how passionate you get about like your wedding day, I was so excited. I do. 
then you know what? Hallelujah. If you just would get like that, that excited about worship, cool. But if I could find you at any sporting event or in the club or watching The Bachelorette or whatever, if I could find you anywhere, oh, I just can't wait to see what happens next. Like, and you just, you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it, you're just concerned and oh, who's you? And, there's, and it's on your mind and you just love it and you just get all into it. Like those things that you just think about and you love and you're all about and you just, whatever degree it is that you get excited about something, that's what I said to myself. I'm gonna cheer when the Seahawks win, but you know what? I'm gonna tell myself I gotta cheer at least that much more, if not a little bit more, because there's a God that's worthy of it. Amen? Just, hey, whatever your personality is, that's fine, but just don't, don't lie to yourself and say it's not my personality. I'm not gonna sing and dance and clap about Jesus when you do that for other things. Number three, it's outside your tradition it's not how you grew up. If that's you, I understand how you feel. I remember when I felt that way. I didn't grow up. Uh, I, won't, I, I, I was actually ordained in a different denomination. I won't name it here because I don't want to, uh, you know, <clears throat> make anybody feel bad. But I love, I love the denomination I grew up in. I love the leaders that poured into me. I just, I'm, I'm here at Heart of the City now by God's leading. But I, I used to say this joke. How many blank denomination people does it take to change a light bulb in worship? And say, none, we can't do it. We can't get our hands above our waist. <laughs> I mean, we just did, this is how I grew up. Look, I'm a pastor on staff here. When I came to Heart of the City Church, I was freaked out by all the crazies, okay? Weirdos. Like, y'all are weird, and now I'm one of you. But like, I just didn't grow up that way. So if you're, if you're like somebody dragged you to Heart of the City, you're like, I like everything except for how like, they're hyper all the time and jail spits at everybody. Like, hey, I get it, you know? Just stick around a little while. You like it. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't grow up that way. But you know what? That's not a good reason to stay where you're at. There's a lot of ways you didn't grow up, and it doesn't mean that you, you need to stop growing. I got to get moving. Number four, you're thinking about others. The question is, why don't you worship with more passion? Why don't you worship with more expression? Why don't you worship with reckless abandon? Maybe it's because you're thinking about others. If that's you, I understand how you feel. I remember when I felt that way. What I found was that I, even though we were doing this thing that was intrinsically between you and the God of the universe, I was thinking about the person standing next to me. I was thinking, what is this person and my friend gonna think if I raise my hands like this. I was thinking, I would never, I mean, five years ago, I would never have danced in church, even in the back row, let alone the front row. Like, just I wouldn't do it. But I would dance at the dance, you know, like with, with my girlfriend. But I just wouldn't do it. I, it wasn't, I was concerned with what everybody else around me was going to think. It's a very funny thing, isn't it? I want to encourage you. Just deny that in yourself. Just rebuke that. Rebuke that. When, you're, when, when you think, if you've never like just raised your hands in worship and it's because you're thinking of what's this person gonna think of me or are they gonna judge me or are they gonna whatever, just rebuke that and just, just do it. Not because raising your hands like is the be all end all of worship, but because there's something to faith when you step out of what you're comfortable with and do it for the sake of God. When you're uncomfortable because of how you look and you do it to worship God, there's something that breaks in you. 
And I think that he delights in that. I gotta move on. Uh, Number five, you feel like a hypocrite. Why don't you worship more, but you feel like a hypocrite? I've been there before. Because you sinned last night or last week or whatever, you think, God, I'm not worthy to worship God with passion because that's not really real in me. Well, you know what? Sometimes you just need to jump all in and that praise and that worship is what's gonna do the battle on behalf of the, the sin and the things that you're finding yourself trapped in. You have to just go for it. I know that feeling of, like, I'm unworthy to, to really sing loud or raise my hands or any of that because I, I, I'm, I'm staying. You know what? It's not based on your worth. It's based on his. Number six, why don't you worship with more passion? You just don't feel like it. Or that's just wrong, so stop it. <laughs> Number seven, it's spiritual warfare. Something or someone is trying to steal your worship. Now, I'm not the type of guy that just blames the devil for everything, but we ought to blame him for some things, right? I mean, if he's there at all, he's trying to do something, and if he's trying to do something, he's probably trying to steal your worship. He's probably trying to steal your affection. He's probably trying to get you to love something and care for something and have affection for something, anything other than God. And so you need to recognize that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but the principalities and the powers in the spiritual places. That's what the word says in Ephesians. So, so if, you know, that might be a reason in you. And if you discern that within yourself, then you need to get some prayer and you need to start doing battle in the spiritual place through worshiping the one that's worthy of your worship in order to defeat the things that are not worthy of your attention. Last thing, maybe you just don't believe or you don't care. And you know what? If that's you, I understand how you'd feel. I remember when I felt that way. But it's just wrong. There is a God, and he is more worthy than anything ever. He's here right now. He's worthy not only to have you believe on him, but to have you lay down your life for him. He is a deity by his grace that asks us if we would follow him. If you even think about that rationally, it's amazing. It's ridiculous is what it is. That there is an almighty supernatural God of the universe that doesn't make us be his slaves, but gives us free will to choose him is incredible. That should make us desire to respond to him through worship and praise and giving him our life. I want to, in response to those eight things that might hold you back, I want to cover eight things in the Bible, eight words in the Bible that describe worship. And uh, I'm going to have to do this very quickly. And so we're going to fly through these. And if you want my notes later, then I'll give them to you. But... We're going to cover seven Hebrew words for worship and one Greek word. The Old Testament scriptures were written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. And so here we go. The first Hebrew word for worship is barak. It means to bow down or to kneel before the Lord. Psalm 95, 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us barak before the Lord, our maker. Let us, bow, let us get on our knees, a sign of submission, a sign of loneliness, a sign of saying, I'm not the one elevating myself. I'm bowing down before you, recognizing that you are greater than I am, recognizing that you are more, more worthy of the praise than I am, recognizing that you are worthy to be bowed down to. 
This is one of the Hebrew words for worship, barak. Number two, halal, to shine, to boast, to rave about, to celebrate, or to even be clamorously foolish about. So good. Praise, halal the Lord. Come on, rave about the Lord. Praise, celebrate, O servants of the Lord. Praise, come on, be clamorously foolish about the name of God. Come on, he's somebody that we should rave about. If you, if you reckon, look, after the Seahawks game last week, I couldn't help but tell so many people, how was your trip to Seattle? Oh, it was amazing. I'm, the seats were so good. Everybody was going bonkers. It was so loud in there. We won at the last second. It was amazing. I couldn't help but rave about the game. And I just think, why is it that we can help but rave about the God that we serve and follow? Isn't he amazing? Isn't he worthy of our raving? Isn't he worthy of our celebration? Isn't he worthy of us just being foolish about? He is. Number three, Shabbat. To shout loudly or to command. This is like the form of worship that would be in some senses like towards other people when somebody would say, come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's praise him. That's what this word means in the Hebrew. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Psalm 47, 1. Number four. To he, he la. To sing unrehearsed, unplanned praises. You are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Psalm 22. This is, this is just, by the way, when Seth says, Hey, church, just sing out. Sing a new song to the Lord. That's what he's talking about. Have you ever heard this passage before? For God is enthroned in the praises of his people. That's what that word is. A new song, an unrehearsed song. There's something beautiful about us singing along with the lyrics that are written on the screen because we can join with each other in a song of unity and praise towards our king. But there's something special that happens when there's a song that comes up out of your spirit, a song that is intimate to you, a song that is based on what God is doing in your life right there in the moment, a song that just boils out of you, a spontaneous song, a prophetic song, a song that just sings of the goodness of God in the moment. It's a form of worship. Number five. Ta-da. Ta-da. <laughs> to extend or to raise your hands in thanksgiving, get this, listen to this, for something that hasn't yet occurred or that you haven't yet received. Offer to God a sacrifice of ta-da and perform your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of your trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me, Psalm 50. Raising your hands in praise for something you have not yet received. Worshiping him before you've seen the fruit of your worship. Worshiping him for who he is before you've experienced what you want from him. Raising your hands in praise. Number six, yada, to extend your hands vigorously as in complete surrender. So I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands, Psalm 63. 
some are, to play the strings with rejoicing, to play instruments with rejoicing. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and zamar your power. We will sing and we will play and we will praise your power. These are all different forms of worship that are found in the Old Testament. Listen, it's not just singing. It's not just standing. But it's also not just raising your hand. There's many different forms of worship. All of them include your heart. All of them include your affection. All of them include your love. But I want to encourage you, if there's, if there's something in you that's keeping you as a statue, that you maybe would just think, how can I, how can I step out a little bit into, into maybe, uh, maybe I'm doing one of these. How can I step out into two of these? If there's been something that's been holding you back from falling on your knees before God, would you just, would you just, uh, just get on your knees and just worship him? If there's been something that's been holding you back from, from raising your hands and just worship, would you, would you just stick them up there and I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I don't, I don't care how I feel. If I feel dumb or stupid, I'm just going to stick my hands up. People stick their hands up for a few things in this life, either for victory or for surrender when the cops have their gun at your back. I mean, one of the two. And you know what? Choose either one of them. Out of victory or surrender before God, they're both worthy for you to raise your hands. One more form of worship. This is the one that occurs 60 times or more in the New Testament. Proskuneo means to crouch, to crawl, to fawn like a dog at his master's feet, to prostrate oneself. And for all the millennials out there, that's, this is what that is. When's the last time you saw somebody worship like that? We were watching a video the other day of uh, this worship service and some dude got on the carpet like that, just face straight in the ground and Beth goes, what does he do with his face? And I was like, he shoves it in the carpet. That, that is what this word of worship means to lie prostrate before God. Here's the thing about lying with your face in the carpet. There's not a whole lot of pride in that. I mean, it really takes it out of you pretty quick. If the chief sin of man is pride in our heart, then maybe the chief action of response should be worshiping face down in order to get rid of that pride. I'm gonna close here in a moment, but I just wanna end with this story. My wife loves our dog. Like, and as much as she loves our dog, I, I, I joke with her sometimes, I say, you know, I think that you might be more devastated if Samson died than if I did. Like, she's in love with Samson. And Samson's in love with her. And I'm talking like big time in love with her. Like, my dog follows her around everywhere. I mean, if she goes the four feet from the bed to the bathroom, he's following her. Like, he's with her all the time. If I can, like, get him to lay on me, he's staring at her. I kid you not. Like, 
I'm serious. I'm not making this up. He, he just stares in her eyes like he loves her with all that he is. Like she is his world. I'm serious. And that's what this word means. Like a dog just adoring his master. That's what worship is. I urge you, brothers and sisters, if you would think about all of who God is and his goodness and his love in light of everything that he's done for you, in light of the fact that you were once on your knees because you were broken and he lifted you up, would you again fall to your knees in praise? In light of the fact that you were once broke and had no job and you were begging that he would just supply for you, in light of the fact that he's supplied for you, would you praise him? In light of the fact that you were, and you ever think about how many prayer, how many prayers God answered for you that you forgot about a long time ago? Could we just remember all the things that God has done for us? Think about this. How many miracles has God performed for you before you ever even knew that you needed them? You ever thought about that? We think about the miracles that we ask for because something happened and then we pray, God, can we have a miracle? What about all the car wrecks that he stopped me from getting in when I was a crazy 18-year-old going 120? Like, we have no idea how many miracles he's already done without us even ever knowing. 